1: Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of win Las Vegas is finally in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas of Nets Republic. And Justin, we're talking about the Nets' fifth straight win tonight over the Toronto Raptors, 116-103. How are you feeling?
2: Feeling very good. Uh, It's always nice to get a win on a Sunday afternoon because my football team can't do it. So uh, anytime (laughs) I can feel happy... You know, going into Sunday night, it's a uh, it's it's a blessing. It kicks the week off right.
1: You know it that does. Monday Monday morning feeling with a W. You're just like, all right, <laughs> we're we're feeling good. Nets look pretty good in this one, getting back on track. Probably say this was their second best win of the season. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. But you could find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Now, Justin, where do you want to start with this one? What like sticks out overall from the team perspective right off rip?
2: I would say the the third quarter. But I know I know how much you know the offense. You know I know how much KD was was a big part of that. But and it's easy to go with the offense, but the defense I thought was yep. the best part of that third quarter. They held the uh, Raptors to 17 points. I know up until I think maybe the six minute mark before they went on their I think seven eight zero oh run. They only had five points in the quarter. It was just an added sense of urgency you saw from everybody. You know guys were crashing the boards instead of just letting the rebound come to them or drop to the floor. You know, the rotations were were, were, were sharper. Uh, the contests were under control. Instead of flying out to shooters, they were chopping their feet. So I think that's really what stood out to me the most was just how good the defense was, especially because, as we know, the Nets don't play defense. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're definitely seeing this team turn up the defense. But like you said, that third quarter, they just turned up the energy in general. I think Blake said something post-game along the lines of, like, we said a couple things, we made a couple changes, and you just saw the energy come out from that third quarter. And they're just like, I think they started on a nice little run, and they took the lead back. And then you just kind of felt the confidence from the team and the Raptors kind of being like, oh, damn, this this Nets team is pretty stacked. And we started to just see guys find that rhythm. And like you mentioned, the defense turned into offense, forced a couple turnovers, just was really playing good basketball and they won that quarter 35 to 17 and they never looked back from that point
2: you know it's it's funny because as nets fans we know what their quarters are like and they're usually bad historically they've always been bad for the nets it's like all right no matter how well the nets start off a a first half oh damn the third quarter's here oh wow look we gave up 40 points in the quarter that's kind of tragic but now with this Nets team, it's like okay, it's it's eerily reminiscent of those Warriors teams, the 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 KD Warriors teams, even the Warriors team right before KD got there, where it's like you could play a perfect half of basketball, be up fifteen points on the Warriors, and then by the time the first media timeout comes, you're down by eight, which is yep. kind of what we saw in 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 this in this one. Nets come out the gate firing 9-0 run. Uh, Bruce had a had had a bucket. KD had a three. Uh, Blake had a three. He had one of his four on the night, which yeah. was. Team leading. So, I mean, this, the offensive firepower, Sans Kyrie is still very, very strong with this Brooklyn Nets team.
1: Especially when James Harden is playing well, because he's just kind of a booster for everybody. And we'll talk about Harden a little bit later, but it just was overall the the veteran presence of this team. And like you said, comparison to those Warriors days of just like, OK, we're going to change this game. We're going to change the tone and we're going to level it up. And also, I think some credit to Blake Griffin there, too. Like he played well in the first half, but in that third quarter, just you mentioned hitting the three and just playing with that extra energy, you know, to doing his thing. It's what you love to see from Blake. So. You know, just credit to the team for responding the right way because I think easily, you know, looking at an afternoon game on a Sunday, 3 30 start, you know, in Toronto, you're like, oh man, what was James Harden doing the night before? Like all these different (laughs) things, you know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, well, they actually respond. They played good basketball, got a good win against a really gritty Raptors team. But I guess let's talk James Harden, who had 28 points, 10 of 20 from the field, 3 of 10 from three, 5 of 6 on the free throw line, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, only two turnovers arguably James Harden's best game of the season.
2: I mean, you talk about putting the team on your back. 16 points of his 28 came in that fourth quarter. He had the final 11 of the team's 13 points, including the last eight. Um, And also the the tip-in and the three-pointer to basically ice the game. I mean, you can't say enough good, you know, positive things about James and how he played in that fourth quarter. But just overall, even without him getting the foul calls, you saw an aggressive James Harden. And an aggressive James Harden is a good James Harden, not only for him, but for the team. Because even if the shots aren't falling, he's opening up, he's collapsing the defense, which, you know, as I said, opens up the floor for other guys. It opens up for Blake, opens up for Joe, opens up for KD. Because if all the attention is on Harden, nobody's focused on the other superstar that's out there.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the main takeaways from this one. I think this is the best... ISO scoring game we saw from James Harden, where he was just breaking down good defenders one-on-one, either getting in the paint and scoring or getting the ball to an open Kevin Durant or an open Joe Harris or an open Blake Griffin in the corner. And that's just such a big difference. And I think that's what's been missing at times in some of these wins or losses for the Nets is like they're grinding out offense when it can be so easy when James Harden is that guy. And he was that guy, like you said, in the fourth quarter, it was just like, you know, what? he's like, I'm putting this one to sleep. Just kept hitting big shot after big shot. Credit to the Raptors again for kind of fight back in. But James is like, nah, I'm having none of that. And I also liked a couple times, you know, he obviously there was numerous times this game where he should have got to the free throw line and he didn't. But he stayed strong and he stayed aggressive. And I also liked a couple of the bully layups. That's what I want to see a little bit more from James Harden. It's like, all right, they're not giving you the calls. Then you initiate the contact and you make the play and you bully that smaller defender and get that
2: shot at the rim. And I also liked, you know, that that you mentioned bully his way there. It was it was under control. I remember there yep. was the one play in the second quarter, I believe, where he—I forget who was guarding it. it might have been Scottie Barnes, but he, you know, does his regular dribble, dribble, dribble. He lulled him to sleep, and I'm thinking, all right, typical James Harden step back three. No, he blows right past him, goes, yep. to, the, goes to the hoop, and instead of trying to draw contact, which I think he was trying to do early in the season where he had the open lane but was trying to draw contact instead— He just took it to the hole, laid it up. I would have liked to see him laid up with his right hand, you know, but, you know, two points is two points. We're asking for too much now, Justin. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) But these these are the things that are positive signs that you want to see from Harden because, all right, yes, we know you can do the step back. The fouls aren't being called. Bro, you can get two – you can still score and get 25, 30 points a game just hitting twos, and he showed it tonight.
1: Yeah, I think the burst – definitely looked better tonight than what we've seen a lot throughout the season maybe some of that's james harden being more confident or whatever it is i'm really interested to see how he responds tomorrow if he does play the back-to-back how is he looking from an athletic perspective because this is going to just be something to kind of keep an eye on because of how much of an impact he has on the overall offense just because he's that type of guy he's james harden is the mvp level player and he's the playmaker of this team and there's really no other offensive facilitator obviously you can ask Katie to step into that role but it's not like they really have a backup point guard at this time you know Patty Mills is more of a scorer Javon Carter's not that guy and Kyrie Irving obviously is out so there's really nobody else that can kind of almost pick up the slack if James Harden isn't making life easy for the other players
2: yeah and I think that's kind of where you miss a guy like a Tyler Johnson who stepped up into that backup point guard role last season when Kyrie wasn't playing. And then, you know, when KD was off the floor too, it just gives you another guy that can facilitate the offense. Um, but, even Mike James, who I'm not a huge fan
1: of. Yeah. I think like, you know, Jack always gives me a hard time about this, but even Mike James in this situation, I think would be helpful. Just having like another ball handler or somebody who can just create a little bit because at times the second unit can
2: be a struggle. Yeah, no, it, it is. And sometimes it's, you look at it; it's like Patty Mills. Okay, it's great having Patty Mills there, but I'd rather Patty Mills be off ball, doing his thing, yep. running off his screens, than than handling the ball. I'm not going to put the ball into Joe Joe Harris's hands to run the offense. And then, like like we said with Javon Carter, he is what he is. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it, it. I think the thing now with Harden is that – before we were worried. Oh my God, he's just not going to get back to James Harden. Now it's we know he's capable of doing this. Can he string it together consistently? Yep. You know, before the Pistons game, he had the two straight back-to-back, you know, solid performances, and he even told Grady in the post-game press conference, "Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling back to myself." Then he goes out in Detroit, and it's like, "James, Worst what happened?" Of the season, yeah, yeah, like what <laughs> happened? But then you come back today with the uh, the Raptors game, and it's like, okay, he's James Harden again. So now, as you said, what James Harden are we going to get against the Chicago Bulls, a Chicago Bulls team that is very much improved and is also going to make you work on defense.
1: Yeah, and it could be a team the Nets match up in the playoffs, you know, maybe a possible first or second round, depending on how the records kind of play out. So, you know, really happy for Harden. Hopefully, like you said, this is a building block for him to get back to his normal play because Katie mentioned, I think, post game two, is like, this is what we need from James Harden. This is what we expect, especially with Kyrie being out. But
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just
2: choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking at blue nile you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30 percent at BlueNile.com. that's BlueNile.com.
1: moving to kevin durant 31 points 11 of 18 from the field three of six from three six of six on the free throw line seven rebounds seven assists but did have seven turnovers. I'm not going to give him all the blame for some of those turnovers because some of them were on his teammate. But overall, what would you think of KD tonight?
2: I saw a tweet post-game that said, um, at this point it's boring to uh, say Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. We got to start making something else more controversial, which I wholeheartedly agree because there really is not a lot else to say about this man. Comes out the gate. I don't know what it is about coming out of the locker room, but I noticed his two highest point total games – not not twenty. But his two highest scoring quarters this game was the first quarter and the third quarter. Twelve points in the first, thirteen in the third. I don't know what it is. Maybe he just likes you know the Gatorade in the locker room. But <laughs> I mean, they had the right
1: color game, in Toronto,
2: right? Every game he comes out firing. It's almost like you got to take the over on Kevin Durant points. If it's at like seven and a half, take the over because every single game it's almost like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven points he's putting up. And it's important for the Nets to get off to that hard start, especially. Since it does take James, I've noticed even on his good games, a little bit to get into the flow of the action. So, Kevin Durant is just the best player in the world. It's crazy. I don't know what else we got to do about it. Another thirty-point performance game. Uh, his tenth straight uh, twenty-plus game, extending the streak that he, you know, uh, has for games st- twenty points to start the season. So, it's yeah. That's it's basically a great it, luxury to have. It early. is.
1: I mean, it's like uh, Jack was asking me. He wasn't able to catch this one. He was messaging me, like, give me a quick summary. I was like, KD is KD. Like, that's pretty much what it is. You know, a light 31, 7, and 7. No big deal. You know, 61% from the field, 50% from three. I will say something that did stick out for KD in this one. It was nice to see Harden be able to generate him some good looks. There were a couple plays where the defender even came off Kevin Durant to kind of help with James Harden. All right, that's a easy catch-and-shoot three for Kevin Durant, which isn't an easy catch-and-shoot three for everybody because the closeouts don't bother him unless really? it's Giannis or somebody like that and also I thought KD did a nice job in this one kind of mixing up his bag I like the way he's attacking the paint there's like when he really needs a bucket he's willing to kind of take whoever it is take that contact and just lay it in throw it up there and that's just a great luxury to have that's how they won the Pistons
2: game I get so scared whenever KD drives because he just he's so skinny Yeah, and like I'm just afraid every time he hits the floor I know um, he he hit the floor a few times in this game there
1: was the one slip on the dunk that one's slippage Uh, is
2: always (laughs) injury-esque My heart, uh, it, and it was a great, it was a great transition play from Harden yeah. uh, and uh, KD. But when he came down and he slipped, I'm like, oh my god, he just tore his knee again. This is crazy. We got to <laughs> stop. We got to stop playing him in Toronto. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you said, you know, Harden getting him good looks. Like I, I can't believe people would actually help off of Kevin Durant. But that's just how good and aggressive James Harden is. Yeah, uh, but. <sighs>
1: Oh my and goodness. defensively, I thought he was very good in this one, too, providing a lot of just, like, contest and using his length. Against this, you know, smaller Raptors team, they have a lot of lanky wings, but they don't really play any, like, true centers. So having yeah. KD is a nice luxury. I think we even saw him at, like, the small ball five a little bit in this one, which is something we haven't necessarily seen a lot this season.
2: Oh, yeah, no, his switchability is great. I mean, you saw him on Pascal at points in the game. You saw him on Scotty Barnes yep. um, at, at points. OG he was on. He was on Boucher. So he can go all the way around even when he sometimes gets switched on to point guards yeah i think he did a a pretty decent job i think the rare times he was switched on to gary trent and uh Fred van vliet so everything about kevin durant's game right now is at an mvp level uh it's just amazing that the nets have him uh and he's he that's amazing he's he's
1: 33 and coming off a torn achilles too you know what i mean it's just like what best basketball of his career arguably
2: yeah and honestly you want to lean on him to bail you out because i I think it's important to have that guy. You saw in the second—not the second quarter. I'm sorry, the third quarter when Toronto's making that eight-zero run. Uh, Kevin Durant wing three-pointer that sparks an 11-2 run uh, to end the quarter. Like you need a guy like that yeah. to not only get you that bucket at the end of the game, but also all right, the other team's going on a run. Kevin, go get go get us a bucket so we can quell the momentum. Swiss uh, shifted in our direction.
1: And I think it's just so draining for the opposing team where you feel like it's good defense or like there's just nothing you can do when he takes those pull-up threes in like semi-transition. It's just like, ah man, like this guy is just like godly good. So KD in his normal bag. I guess let's talk a little Blake Griffin. Blake's best game of the season, 14 points, five and nine from the field, four of six from three, 11 rebounds, four offensive, three assists, zero blocks, zero steals, and only one turnover. Just overall, love the energy Blake played with this one.
2: Uh, yeah, no, Blake was, uh, Blake was tremendous. Definitely used that Pistons game as a uh, springboard as, as we were talking about, you know, before starting the recording, um, you know, his four three-pointers is that, 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 that was a refreshing thing to see. I'm not expecting Blake to hit four three-pointers every game, but just having that in his arsenal and you saw the making shots opens up the game because in that third quarter, part of the 9-0 run, um. You know he had a, a a shot in the corner, wide open three. They ran out to him. They actually ran out to jump pump fake, drove the little finger roll. I thought he was gonna give us a, a signature Blake Griffin poster, but you know two points is two points. Yep. But that's I think what really stuck stuck stood out to me is when his shot is on, it opens up the offense not only for him but for the entire team because now that's just another threat that the defense has to worry about.
1: Agreed. And I mean, like Blake, like you said, Blake's not going to hit four or six on a regular basis, but if he can hit like two of five or even two or six on nights, just to keep the defense honest, gives you that extra level of spacing. And that sometimes it just allows you to kind of add momentum to the offense. Like you mentioned the pump fake dribbling in, you know, sometimes someone's going to rotate and he's not going to get that layup, but then he's going to kick out a pass to somebody else and they're going to get open shot. So just good offense when Blake is hitting a shot and it makes him less of a liability offensively, because there was a couple games this year where you just saw teams ignore him on that end of the floor it's going to be important for him to knock down some of these shots just to keep the defense honest
2: yeah and I think that's why you saw the Nets offense you know a bit clunky to start off the season because if your only three-point threat is on the floor is Joe Harris and James Harden and if Joe Harris isn't making his threes then you really have no other three-point threat because I'm not expecting KD to you know you know hoist up four five six threes a game this is this This is what you need Blake to do. You need Blake to be able to go out there and hit one or two threes a game. Keep the defense honest because, you know, as I said, like if if, if the defense is running out to him, it just opens up the floor.
1: Yeah, and credit to Blake, like, too, for that, like, crazy dive into the backcourt to get that loose ball. Like, he just went all out to get that, and they're just the type of plays that you need. And I think Steve Nash mentioned post game like, hey, we don't have Kyrie. We don't have this offensive pop that we had last year. We're still a really good offense, but we're going to need more of those gritty defensive hustle-type plays to win games.
2: Yeah, and that's what Blake's been doing. You know, he he's he's been doing that since he got to the Nets, you know. But obviously he's not the same Blake Griffin from the, the, the Clippers days, so he's gonna do the little things. That's what kind of makes it a little bit confusing sometimes when he doesn't box out and rebound yeah. because he's he's not afraid to you know throw his body in there to take a charge or to dive on the floor for a loose ball. So sometimes when he's not boxed out, I'm like, Blake, this this isn't you. Like what yeah. what's going on here? But I do have question For you in terms of you know Nash saying like without Kyrie the defensive identity is different if Kyrie were here would the defensive identity of the Nets still be the same as it is or would it be kind of similar to last season's
1: I think we'd probably have maybe a combination you know, I think we'd see improved defense because I think there's more defensive talent on this team. But then also, you have to remember, Kyrie's getting a large chunk of those minutes. He's probably playing 34 a game. And I thought he was pretty good defensively last year. He's not elite or anything like that. And there are games where he kind of takes plays off and things like that. So I think defensively, you'd see improvement. And also, I think the Nets are running you know different defenses this year. You're seeing a lot more drop coverage where last year it was just kind of switch everything all the time. So I think there's different aspects. But overall, I think when Kyrie is because I believe he will hopefully play this season. I think the Nets will definitely have a better defense than what they had last season. What are you thinking?
2: Uh, no, I, I got to agree with you on that. I did notice, um, you know, doing um, some people's film analysis, like how the defense is different, um, you know, and you also see you have the personnel, like you said, yep. you know, Javon Carter will fight over a screen. Uh, Joe, I, Joe Harris has been kind of a revelation this year yep. uh, for defense. He fights over screens now. He, you know, he gets back. You already know what you're going to get with Bembry, um, and even just the way that Blake and Lamarcus are yeah. able to to use their bodies and cover uh, the floor when they're in that drop coverage, um, it is it, it, it is very encouraging. So it would it that's why I'm I'm confu- not not to say confused, but my mind does wander in terms of yes, I know we're if Kyrie were here, we're going to get you know way more Kyrie minutes than we're, and Javon Carter and and Bembry and you know Patty's minutes maybe a little bit down, but and as you said, he's he's no slouch on defense either. But, you know, it is something to just keep in the back of your mind if in, if, in fact, Kyrie does come back to the squad this season.
1: Yeah, I think the best, like, just from the most positive perspective, is just like, all right, now the Nets have multiple styles of basketball they can play. And I think that was always something I looked forward to for this season going in. It's just like, wow, there's a lot of different pieces on this roster. Steve Nash has a lot of tools, and they can kind of adapt and play different ways. And I like the point you brought up about LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. They both have some type of a defensive impact, but it's in different ways. You know, Blake does a lot with his positioning and taking charges. And LaMarcus, obviously not the fastest guy anymore, but does a great job of just utilizing his size and being a presence in the paint. He didn't, I don't think he had any blocks tonight, but he had a couple blocks in the previous game. So it's like they're just finding ways to utilize and play off each other and put themselves in the best position. And I think that's something you're going to commonly see throughout the first 10 games of the season. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs until so they truly find that rhythm.
2: Yeah, I think LaMarcus has probably been the biggest, uh, one, one of the bigger, you know, bright spots, especially because I never really considered him as a uh, a rim protector. You know, I, you always knew he was stout defensively, you know, solid guy. But I never really considered him as somebody like, damn, don't go in the paint because LaMarcus Aldridge is there. But no, he's hes proven. I know he didn't have a block in this Raptors game, but the Pistons game, he had a ferocious block and then even yep. blocked a, a an alley-oop attempt as well. Um, he does a great job of using his body. He stays straight up. He doesn't get into foul trouble, which is which is huge, especially because, you know, the Nets depth currently isn't that big with Claxton, you know, in the G League right now. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's been it's it's been a good sign seeing Lamarcus um uh, you know have a positive impact the way he has on defense so far this season.
1: Yeah, I guess let's move over to Lamarcus. Obviously. He was due to miss some shots, and we saw that happen tonight. Only two points, oh, 0-3 from the field, 2-2 from the free throw line, six rebounds, but five assists. I think one thing that stuck out to me Uh, with his second unit and we kind of talked about in the last podcast whether it was like Javon Carter, Patty Mills, Ben Bray, Millsap and LaMarcus Aldridge we saw Steve Nash make the change in swapping Harrison for Javon Carter giving a little bit more spacing and off ball options and they were utilizing LaMarcus in the post and allowing him to kind of play out of there and that's why you see the five assists there's one pass in my head that sticks out where it's just like he gets the post touch makes a cross cross court pass to Patty Mills in the corner for the wide open three.
2: Oh, I love, I loved that play. Oh yep. my goodness. I loved it. But, and yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to take, I think a little bit more tinkering with that lineup. Um, We're staggering but I in my
1: opinion, but at least yeah. this one is watchable where the Javon Carter one at times was just like, Oh,
2: yes, no. I, and I do agree like with adding Joe in and, and instead of uh Carter definitely did open up the floor a little bit and you saw it. Um, I'd be interested to see if they work the offense through LaMarcus a little bit more. Um, but I I do like getting him some post touches because he has really great footwork. I know he only only three shot attempts today. He missed his only shot in the mid range, so um, you know now he's missed six shots of his. Uh,
1: he doesn't miss in, in the United mid-range. States. It's only uh, Canada.
2: It's only Canada, so he can't <laughs> go back to Canada anymore. Um, yeah. but but no, yeah, and even the the, the post hook he missed um, in the first half. I thought he got great positioning. You know, the shot just didn't fall. Um, you know, had a little bit of fumbles on some inside passes. Um, I believe, I forget who it was that passed him the ball. On the inside, he kind of fumbled it, but ended up going to the free throw line anyway. But but no, LaMarcus in the post is, is great. LaMarcus in the mid-range is great. I would love to see the Nets utilize him with a plethora of lineups, which is why it, it sucks that Kyrie's not here, because I'd love to see, you know, Katie, Kyrie, and uh, LaMarcus all there, because who do you defend in the mid-range? They can all yeah. just hit mid-range
1: kings over there (laughs) yeah yeah like it really would be i mean i think seeing lamarcus with some other guys at different points is going to be fun but it's just such a a nice you know nice option for Steve Nash to go to with that second unit, having a, a player as talented as LaMarcus Aldridge, who's still getting a good amount of attention too, because like you mentioned on some of those post touches, he was seeing double teams who like semi doubles or just, you know, getting the attention of the defense. And that's what the Nets need when the stars on the floor. I think ideally, you know, Nash will do a better job of staggering Harden and KD to kind of have as many limited minutes as possible without those guys on the floor. But if you can steal some minutes here and there, you can't really complain about that. But moving over to Joe Harris, uh, 11 points, four of eight from the field, three of seven from three, four rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers. You know, Joe's starting to look good and find his rhythm and play like the player we expect.
2: Whenever you don't see Joe Harris's name on Twitter during a game, you know he's having a good game. You know he's yeah. having a good game. <laughs> he doesn't right? get well, I just hate. <laughs> exactly. like he, he, Because, you know, he's there to do one job, basically, and that's to hit threes. And he did that tonight. Um you know, he, the turn, no turnovers really. Um, I know they had that kind of like little snafu on the on the press breaks toward the end of the game. Um, you know, the positioning is a little bit off, which is always confusing to me. How NBA players just don't react to presses very well, even though it's something yeah. you learn in like elementary school. But but yeah, overall, Joe played a great game. Um, you know, had some big threes. The three in. My, um, Thing was transition, yeah. Uh w- w- was huge. I know Ruco said he let out like a fiery roar or something know, like that. I
1: wanted to see the rebound. <laughs> <get>
2: <laughs> I, I feel like we we missed a, a prime Joe Harris fist bump uh you know moment. But yeah, no, Joe, good good game, no turnovers, smart basketball. He knew when to drive it to the hoop. I know he had a, a nice uh layup in in traffic in the first half. So anytime Joe is not uh his his name's not on Twitter, it's a good day.
1: Yeah, and he's a guy like we've talked about a lot in the Brooklyn Buzz in terms of like, all right, James Harden's playing well. Joe Harris's life is just that much easier because I feel like when James Harden isn't playing well, then Joe Harris starts to press a little bit, tries to do too much, and that's when he gets himself in trouble. And you kind of hinted at it before. I think defensively we're seeing Joe really take some strides and leaning into some of the physicality. Like I think he doesn't mind it, and it's allowing him to play a little bit better defensively because
2: he's not the quickest guy. No, 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 he is not. But he tries his heart out. Yeah, he tries his heart out. Um, but that and that's why I kind of like the when they have Patty Mills and Joe Harris on the floor at the same time because they're both not to say like Patty is lethal from three, but you have to get out on Patty, yep, uh, when he's shooting. But they both kind of move around the floor differently. I know Joe does work around screens, uh, but Patty is legit just literally a ball of energy, just running around yep. all the time, all the time, all the time. You don't really have to set up a play. For him, like the Nets kind of do with Joe Harris uh, on time, on you know sometimes when they come down the floor, uh, so just having them on the floor together, spreading out the defense like that, you have to worry about Patty running off a screen in the corner. But oh, look at that! There's Joe on the wing for three yeah. two. So it's uh having them both on, or just even like a some somewhat c- consistency uh, is going to be huge for this team.
1: Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on defense. And that's a great point of how they move off ball because you look at Joe Harris, it's more of like straight lines and trying to like wrap and almost come in circles where Patty's just like, quick twitch like he's just like <laughs> there's there's like a little area for him to run he's gonna do it it's like even when he does a dribble handoff and doesn't take the ball he's just like going so fast and i think that's part of the reason why he's not really a true backup point guard because he has he's such like plays such spurs basketball where there's not much creation it's like pass move pass move shoot yep. you know what i mean there's not really a, a ton of time to do things with the basketball but it it just puts a little bit more pressure on the defense i guess talking patty mills you know, a solid game from him tonight. 13 points, 3-7 of seven from the field, 3-6 of six from three, 4-4 four four from the free throw line, uh, one rebound, four turnovers. But like I said, I thought this was a solid game from Patty. You know, it wasn't his best game, but it wasn't a bad game
2: either. Yeah, I thought, I thought his second half was definitely better than his first yep. half. The first half, you know, he looked a little apprehensive. Um, yep. There were some times where I was like, oh, Patty, go attack, and, and he didn't. Um, but, you know, overall, he's a veteran. He knows what it, what it takes. And, then, you know, he makes the adjustments at halftime. He was big in that fourth quarter, uh, you know, those, those quarter threes. And even drawing the foul on the uh, the three-point attempt, too, was yep. also big. Uh, so, you know, what you see is what you get from Patty. We knew this is what was going to happen um, when he came over from the Spurs. So, you know, it's, it, it's great. I Like 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 you've been saying, he's not the backup point guard, you know, that that's ideal. But for the ball of energy that he gives, he's almost like a an anti, uh, almost like an anti Bruce Brown in the sense that Bruce Brown gives you energy from the paint, and yep. Patty gives you it from the perimeter.
1: Yeah, and he gives you a lot too defensively with his rotations. I think on ball, one thing I'm starting to notice a little bit is that guys feel really comfortable shooting over him because he's just not the biggest guy. But he's at least going to make a lot of rotations and put pressure on you and just kind of make you a little bit uncomfortable in the right situation.
2: Yeah, and that's all that's all you really want, you know, yep. cuz defense is basically, you know, 85 90% effort. Um and what he lacks in the physicality and the height department, he definitely makes up for in the heart. Yep. Um you know, there was a I believe there was one play I, I want to say it was Fred VanVleet. I thought Fred got away with a uh a push off for an offensive foul. Yeah. But but Patty's just always in the right position and you know, he like I said from earlier, he fights over screens. Uh so you know, this this is the defensive identity, I guess, for the Nets, the blue. And also congratulations to Patty being accepted into the uh blue collar crew. So, oh. you know, this this is gonna be huge for us.
1: The acceptance rate is not very high. So real credit to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's working hard for that. But uh, a guy who I'm surprised isn't in the blue-collar crew, and that's Bruce Brown. You know, 12 points, six eleven from the field, oh two from three, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, one turnover. In um, zero fouls, which is kind of crazy for Bruce Brown, but just Bruce just does his job. And I thought today, you know, he did a nice job of finding the openings and hitting some of those floaters. wasn't anything too crazy,
2: but just came in and did his job. And that's what he does, and that's why yeah. it's always, you know, confusing when Nash didn't have him in for the first two games of the season. Uh, but no, he's a guy. He comes in, he doesn't get flustered by any any situation, whether it's the beginning of the game, the last thirty seconds. He knows what his job is. You know, the lights, the pressure don't doesn't get to him. Um, I just marvel at how composed he is whenever he gets the ball in the paint. He doesn't yep. panic. He's not looking for the, you know, he's not automatically looking for a shot. He's not automatically looking for, you know, the kickout. It's almost like a quarterback just going through his, you know, his reads and his, his progressions. It's like, all right, my first read is the shot. It's not there. All right, second read is Joe Harris in the corner. That's not there. All right, let me back it out. Give it back to KD. Give it back to Harden. and We'll re- yep. reset this thing.
1: Yeah, and I thought just like overall the floater in this one just looked good. It looked like it was in rhythm where some of the other games he was trying to go maybe a little too high with it, just really on point. And like you said, just very composed player, just understands his role with his team and just has a real knack for finding the open space. And I think that's a credit to him. Like he doesn't have the best three-point shot, but he finds other ways to have impact offensively. And he just did a really good job defensively like he does every game of just using his shoulders and really just making guys earn every bucket they get.
2: You know, it's funny, like, you you notice when Bruce Brown is not on the floor offensively because there was times when he was off, and I believe Bembry was on, and I think Harden had the ball on the left wing. And I'm like, all right, look at all that wide open space in the paint. Bembry, just yeah. come down, sit yourself there, and, and Harden's going to find you. But he didn't. He kind of stayed on the perimeter. I'm like, see, this is why Bruce Brown is so important for this because he dissects and gets into those small crevices and makes the defense rotate.
1: Yeah, and I think they said something on the broadcast too, and that it's like really a skill being to play with some of these stars and understand how you can help them. And like, even like you mentioned, having Brown on the floor, he does a great job of just like touching the basketball and helping guys get out of tough spots. Even if it doesn't mean he's going to shoot, it's just going to set up the next action of the play or put somebody else in a better position. But I guess let's talk DeAndre Bembray as well. You know, five points, two or three from the field, one to one from three, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, um, three turnovers. I mean, one turnover, three fouls. Bembray continues to impress and really earn a spot on this team in this rotation.
2: Yeah, I would say one of those fouls was probably unwarranted because he definitely got that clean in the third quarter.
1: Like almost jumped the route if we're talking yeah. about comparison to football. You know what I mean? He just anticipated the motion, boom, boom, boom. And even, you know, Bembray just constant like chaos is what he brings. And I described it in like a good way. You know, defensively, there's just like always plays are happening when he's out there.
2: Yeah, it's 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 controlled chaos, and that and that's what you want. You know, I I don't think any of us kind of predicted at the start of the season that we'd be seeing DeAndre Bembry in the the lineup in the last like four minutes of, of yep. a basketball game. That's not a blowout, um, but no, he's definitely earning his spot, uh, and is and is earning you know minutes with each passing game. Uh, he he's also is kind of like Bruce in the sense that he knows what his job is on offense. He's not yep. going to do too much, um, you know, he knows he's out there not to shoot when he's not supposed to, <clears throat> Javon. Uh, but, you know, if the shots are there, take it. And if it's not, pump fake, get it back to your star and and reset it. Um, but his energy on defense is, I mean, you can't say enough words, enough positive things about, about it. And it's nice and it's comforting knowing that you can have somebody that you don't have to worry about on the defensive end.
1: Yeah. And I think offensively, like, I'm starting to get a little bit of confidence in a three ball. Obviously, he's, I think, a career, like, high 20 shooter. If uh. he could just shoot low to mid 30s this season on like one or two attempts i don't think that's completely crazy just because the strokers look good early season confidence. And like you mentioned, he doesn't take the bad shots. It's only really when he's wide open and can kind of load up in those situations. And again, like the one thing I think he does a little bit better than Bruce Brown is put rim pressure, like he's better at attacking the rim as a driver. And I think that's something we'd love to see a little bit more of is like maybe some James Harden, Bembrae pick and rolls where he's getting downhill, almost more similar to like a Jeff Green pick and roll we
2: saw last year. Yeah, I mean the getting downhill part is not the problem with Bembry. It's kind of converting.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, that that's the issue. I know he missed a a, a gimme layup in this yeah, game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he I mean he made up for that one. it. He should have. I don't know why he didn't, but he made up for it. You know, in the second half, um, you know, with his dunk down the lane, which is you know something that we also didn't really. Well, I guess to your point with Jeff Green, Jeff Green was the athletic guy of the team last year, surprisingly, because he's you know thirty plus years old. But Bembry gives you that athleticism. And, Yep. above the rim, uh, which is key for an offense.
1: Agreed. I think it's just also just like providing, you know, different elements for the team and what they the opposing team has to defend. But uh, Paul Millsap, we saw for five minutes, not really much to say on there. Javon Carter for three minutes and 30 seconds. Anything you want to say on those two guys?
2: I think with Paul, it, it's more of a case of just finding the right lineup to build around him. I know you said yeah. you you want to see him more of like a, that, that small ball five role. I don't particularly like him and Aldridge on the floor at the same time. I just think that it's kind of slow. It's kind of slow, and somebody's going to have to sacrifice. And obviously, you know, the game is about sacrifice, but you really kind of don't want to have somebody that does have the skill set of Paul Millsap to sacrifice everything. Um, so I'd like to see him, you know, in different lineups. I don't know which lineup would be best for him. Um, I know his best stretch of the season came um, in that. uh, I'm blanking on the in the Pacers the Horn- was it the, was it the Pacers game when uh, it was him and the bench crew that yeah gave I one think of, like we saw some run. good
1: moments in there I think there was a couple yeah. good moments in the Hornets game too like there's been mm. little glimpses I think like another issue for Millsap is he's just not playing enough minutes. It's hard. Like you play five minutes, you play seven minutes, you even play 10 minutes and they're not like consecutively and they're not with the same group you're always playing with. Sometimes it's just hard to find that rhythm. You know, I'd like to see him get maybe some time with the stars, so he can kind of be that superstar elevator, kind of almost like a big and a Bruce Brown role in terms of just like making life easier for those guys. And I think that's something he's used to doing. Like there's a guy who just played with Nicole Jokic for the last couple of years. He knows how to play off stars, especially great passers like a James Harden. So, you know, I I still have hope for Millsap. I know some Nets fans have kind of talked about, like, you know, the jury's out on him or, like, we know what we have. It's like, no, we really don't. I think we won't really know what we have in Millsap until probably someone either has to take some rest or there's an injury to one of the other bigs, and now Nash is forced to play him 20 or 25 minutes because that's when you really get a better idea and a guy's able to kind of find some rhythm in the game.
2: Yeah, and perhaps we'll see that, you know, and I know the Nets do have a back-to-back with Chicago, so who knows if LaMarcus... Uh, is gonna play in that game or how many minutes he does? Um, but you know what? It's honestly for for anybody that says the jury's out on Millsap, I mean, I just I just don't understand how you can say that. I mean, he's yeah, has he even has he even logged forty eight minutes of gameplay yet this yeah. season? So, um, you know, I I, I think you still got to give it some time. Um, but it's honestly a good problem to have, right? You know, yep. last season the whole big problem with the Nets was aside from defense was all right, what do you have in the front court. Because obviously it's not DeAndre Jordan, and when you lose Jared Allen, it's like, all right, well, you're kind of just relying on Blake Griffin. Yep. Uh, but now, all right, you have you know you know what you have in Lamarcus, you know what you have. Well, we'll see if the consistency is there with Blake. We don't really yet know anything with Claxton, but if Claxton can come back and and prove that he is the guy that we hope he is, all right. Well, now you have four viable options at your center and power forward position uh, that you can interchange and you know mix and match with.
1: Yeah, and that's just different tools for Steve Nash and James Harden. I think obviously when Klaxon is back, you'll get some more rim running from Clax, and that'll kind of add another element to Harden's game that's gonna be important. But Justin, anything else you want to talk about from this one?
2: You know what? I gotta give credit to Steve Nash. Yeah. Um I know he gets a lot of slack. Um, you know, and some some of it is deserves lack of use of time timeouts and his rotations, but I thought, you know, him him bringing in Joe instead of Javon was 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 huge. Um yeah, Him calling a timeout, even when the Nets were up, because he could kind of set the Raptors and the Nets were kind of a little bit out of sorts, that was huge, because uh, I know we've seen in the past where he just kind of lets the players, you know, run it out, which is not a bad option sometimes, but then there's some times where you just got to kind of call a timeout and you yeah, be the, the coach. Pitch. Yeah. Um, I was surprised he didn't call timeout when the Raptors made that uh, run late in the fourth quarter, but... He trusted the superstars and James Harden came through for him. So I thought this was a very good game for uh, for Nash uh, from a coaching standpoint. You just got to, you know, the, the thing with him also is consistency. You know, can he consistently, you know, be good at feeling the game, calling the timeout or using a challenge at the right time?
1: Yeah, and I think another thing for Nash, too, is like he's starting to get a feel for what he has with his team. I think a lot of people kind of undervalue the fact of like, hey, this is a new group and a lot of different guys, and you kind of got hit with the news that you're going to be missing your third-best player like two weeks before the season. You know what I mean? And now, like, all right, how do we adjust? How do we fit all these guys in? And how do we make it work? But five-game winning streak, I think they're playing some nice defense. Offense is finally starting to click. James Harden is starting to find his rhythm. Same thing for Blake. Kevin Durant is that guy. And overall, things are looking really good for the Nets, and it should be a fun game tomorrow against the Bulls.
2: Yep, and it, and it helps that you start the season off with that. As many new additions with the Nets that, that the Nets have, it's it's comforting knowing that they start the season off against, not to say, you know, pushover teams, but not true championship contenders. You know, you played the Heat, you played the uh, Bucks, and you played the Sixers. But other than that, you know, the teams that they're playing right now, like the Hornets, the Pacers, uh, you know, it's fringe fringe playoff teams. Uh, you know, you got a, a test tomorrow against the uh, the Bulls. But, you know, it, it, it's nice to know that they have the ability to, you know, as Nash said, you know, find out what he has before you actually have to, you know, take the real test.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think this is what you want. You want to kind of build some momentum on both ends of the floor and see what you have. And then, all right, you know, we get a big matchup against the Bucks again or maybe a matchup with the Warriors. And you're like, all right, this is this is a true test. But still, I think for this team... You're probably still looking probably 10 more games for them to really start to hit rhythm. And then there's always just going to be the underlying factor of Kyrie Irving. You know, is Kyrie yep. going to be back or is he going to be out the whole year? We don't really know. But, Justin, always a pleasure talking Nets with you. You want to tell the people where they can find
2: you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, J underscore Thomas underscore 24. Also um, on a podcast, Sarah Toby Sports Podcast, doing sports and anime. Great
1: combination. Um,
2: Yep, you know. It's it, it it's great. I love it. I also love did you uh, did you check out the um like but when, when the season first started the NBA dropped I think Bleach Report dropped that like Naruto NBA Fusion video. Yep. Yeah, no, that, that that was great. That was great. They had the nets as the Akatsuki. I'm trying to figure out who which which members of the nets are which Akatsuki members. But You know, if you have any ideas, just let me know. That
1: might be a whole podcast for you. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All
0: right.
1: (laughs) Um, But like I said, always a pleasure talking Nets with Justin, and you can find the buzz on Austrian platforms.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.